This audio presentation is brought to you by the Baptist Missionary Association Theological Seminary from our regular weekday chapel service. BMA Seminary provides accredited theological education for equipping God's people for Christ-centered service and leadership roles. We are committed to the authority and inerrancy of the Holy Scriptures and to making disciples for Jesus Christ. For more information about the BMA Seminary, go to bmats.edu or call toll-free 800-259-5673. Amen. Be seated, please, and turn the Bible once again to Mark and chapter 1. Mark and chapter 1. About 1983, the Lord began to work in my life, guiding me and leading me, calling me towards full-time ministry. And the instrument that he used was the book of Romans, especially the first chapter of Romans, I believe it's verse 18 or verse 17, where Paul wrote, The just shall live by faith. I believe that occurs in another, again, in the book of Romans, in another place. Then also, I believe it's in the book of Habakkuk. See that same verse. The just shall live by faith. And for some reason, that began to penetrate into my heart and mind. And I had the impression in my heart that I really wasn't, even though I knew I was saved, I really wasn't living by faith. And what happened was I would heard somebody else say somewhere that if you really had a verse that was somewhat troubling you and you felt God was leading you to study a little more, a little deeper in that area, you ought to just take the book that it's written in and read the whole book every day. So I started reading the whole book of Romans every day for a whole month to try and understand really what it meant to live by faith. And within a year and a half or so, rather than owning my own home and two cars and, well, really at that time five or six cars and a business, two businesses in two different places, in 18 months or so, I was living down here in one of these apartments with one car and no money and two girls to feed and my wife to provide for. And I really finally realized, well, this is what it means to live by faith and get down to <laughs> So there's two lessons there. Be careful about what you pray about. It's liable to come, but it's been a blessing ever since to live by faith. But God uses different means and different avenues to bring us to a place where he can use us, particularly when he's changing things in our lives, even after we're saved. There's different areas, different times, phases of our lives and phases of our ministry where he moves and uses different mechanisms to bring that change about. That was what happened in my life. For some people, it's hearing a particular sermon sometime, reading on their own perhaps, maybe somebody witnessing a truth into their life from the Scriptures, but almost always I think it has, it's in connection with the Word itself. But there are different ways that God brings people to different areas, different times of service. And I realize here at the beginning of the spring semester that each and every one of us here 
our teachers and our students, we realize that somewhere in our life, God has called us to a different phase, a different work, a different job in the kingdom of God. Maybe today you're wondering about your response to that call of God in your life. Here in Mark in chapter 1, if you're wondering about a call, what does it look like to see a call, and what should I do in response to a call, we see it here as Jesus calls his first four disciples. There are three aspects of this passage we've already read. Three aspects of the call itself. I want you to think about with me today. And then also, and maybe even more importantly, not just the call, but more importantly, our response to when Jesus does call us. Think about this with me, first of all. That when Jesus calls us, First of all, to salvation, perhaps. We can look at that at the beginning where Jesus, there in that first little passage, says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Those are not requests. Those are commands. And then when you get down to this place, a few verses later where he calls those first two guys, when he says, follow me, again, it is not in the grammar of the New Testament. It's not a request. It's a command. I believe sometimes, and it's the influence, I guess, of vacation Bible school stories and Sunday school. And, you know, when I went to Sunday school, they had these little flannel gram things. And you stuck these little pictures, cutouts of things up on the board. And I can distinctly remember a picture of Jesus and there he was, he was sitting on a big rock. And he was, as everybody knows, absolutely, totally correct in every detail. There he was, the Scandinavian blonde-haired Jesus. <laughs> and these nice robes and all these things, you know. And he's sitting there, meek and mild, has a pretty nice hair. It's kind of a hippie haircut, but it's really nice. His beard very trimmed, looks really perfect, you know, and... He's got this beautiful little perfect lamb. He's holding his lap and he's petting the little lamb. The meek and mild Jesus. That's not the Jesus that rules and reigns in heaven right now. Eyes of fire, feet like brass. And a voice like the thundering of the waters. And when he calls us, it is a command. He said to those men, they didn't think of a little meek, mild guy coming along. One like the pastor walking by you and say, would you teach Sunday school? Would you work in the nursery? Jesus, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, he doesn't have to ask anybody to do anything. He comes and he says to those men, he calls us also, we need to hear the voice of many waters, follow me. Come after me. It is a summons and not an invitation. Oftentimes you go to your mailbox and you look in there and you get a handful of letters out and you see one there that's an invitation to somebody's 50th anniversary. We get them here, it's the anniversary of some church, had one the other day, the 80th anniversary, some church, someplace, an open house and all those kind of things. And those invitations, what do you do with them? 
you look at it and say, well, I may go, I may not. I'll put it off a little bit. I'll think about it later. And you put it aside. But you keep going through your mail and you get the one there at the back. And rather than being an invitation someplace, you see that it came from the county court at law or the federal court in Tyler. And it says you will appear for jury duty on a particular date. You didn't get an invitation. You got a summons. <laughs> and when you ignore that, you can't sit there or stand there and say, well, maybe I'll go and maybe I won't. Maybe I'll put it off. They won't really miss me if I don't go. It's not that important. There are really not any consequences to that. You don't do that, do you? You know there are consequences if you don't obey the summons. Jail time, perhaps, it gets serious enough. They'll send the deputy sheriff or a constable to find you and take you up there and stand you in front of the judge. You'll get a fine. When the king of kings and lord of lords calls, it is not an invitation. It's a summons on our life. And there are consequences if we delay or we do not obey. There are consequences, and the consequences are such and such a nature that you cannot afford to pay it. When Jesus calls you, it is a summons and not an invitation. You need to notice also that when Jesus calls you or he calls me, even when it is to perhaps a different area or avenue of service that we've already started somewhere, perhaps is changing our direction, train, changing the place perhaps where we are to serve, not only is it a summons, it is a call, it is a summons usually away from something. What did he tell these men when you read right after the summons? What does it say? What did they do? It says they left their nets in one place. Another place it says the other two left their father Zebedee and they left the hired hands and they left their boats. A misconception that many people have about Jesus calling these fishermen, particularly we think about again the old Sunday school stories about Peter the old, rough, poor Peter, raggedy old clothes, and he looked like a bum. You remember from your Sunday school book? He looked like an old bum, an old mountain man or something, you know. Old, poor fisherman. Study just a little bit, just bare, minimal observing of the text. These guys weren't the lowest of the low. They weren't destitute. Today we call them small businessmen. They had capital investment, had equipment, boats, nets. Even these last two, it was a family business. They were in there with Zebedee, a second-generation business. And they even were to the point they had hired servants and extra boats, perhaps. They might be, you'd say, kind of well-to-do a little bit. Upper middle class in our day and time. And when Jesus called them, what did they do? They left those things behind. Now, not everybody, obviously, when God calls us to service or a new area of service, God doesn't always call us to change our vocation and leave everything behind. We've had here in the last 15 to 20 years, I believe, three different attorneys come to school, one medical doctor, Maybe another, I can't remember for sure, I know for sure one, maybe another medical doctor, 
One of those medical doctors went into the mission field, medical missions. The other one is right here in Jacksonville still. He's the ER doctor down here at Mother, not Mother Francis, at East Texas Medical Center, serving as an elder in his church. Another man right now is probably nearly 60 years old now. God began to move in his life in business with his father in Tyler, Texas. God began to move in his life. He thought he'd being moved to come in full-time ministry, teaching a large Sunday school class, came to school, finished the MDF. An excellent student took the whole 92 or 3 hours. But God just expanded his teaching ministry, and he's still in business with his father and brothers in White House. But every single time, when God moves, when he calls, again, maybe it might not be full-time change or full-time vocational kind of a change, but almost always, at the very minimum, there has to be a reprioritizing of our lives and our energies. You can't move to another area. You can't move to a deeper walk with Christ without putting something at a little bit, at a very minimum, a little bit different lower level than it was. You need to realize that if God's calling you, it is a call at the very minimum. It can't be like it used to be yesterday or like your former life, you might say. I don't know how dramatic the change is. There's going to be a change. And almost every time it's a call away from the world in some aspect. Just a few days ago, Dr. Atterbury was telling me he got a phone call. This semester, we have a Ph.D. doctor, professor at the University of California at Berkeley an archaeology professor. And he is enrolled in the master's program here at the seminary. So he can gain a deeper understanding of a worldview as he teaches archaeology. Even for him, someone that knows what it means to work in a program, obviously with two advanced degrees, the work that it requires to earn another advanced degree. Something has to change in his life. One of his priorities, maybe one of his avocations, maybe some degrees, some civic activities are engaged in, but he has to reprioritize his time to follow this call. Call of Christ in our life is a summons, a command. It's a call away from the world. It's also a call to something. What did Jesus tell them when he called them away from those boats and all those things. He said, follow me. And I'll make you to become fishers of men. A deeper walk with them. A more active ministry. An evangelistic ministry for these men. And as they began to walk. And they had to turn away from the world to one extent. But they had to reorient themselves totally towards Christ. It's a call to something. Again, your call in your life may not be to be a full-time pastor, youth director, whatever it might be, seminary professor, missionary. I don't know what it is in your life, but I know this, that when you turn away something of the world, you have to start following Christ. Everybody, as we walk along with Christ, everybody has a job 
to do. Every one of us has a talent, an ability that the Holy Spirit gives us and is to be used in following Christ, going forward with Him. Just a few years ago, I think the first time that I saw a little television show on the Discovery Channel, it caught my attention in the headings somewhere. Didn't know what it was about, but I said, this is fa sounds fascinating. The world's deadliest catch. I didn't know if they were going to catch cholera or Ebola or what it was you are going to catch. <laughs> but it's the world's deadliest catch. You've probably seen it. What it is, these guys are out there in the Bering Straits, and they're fishing for Alaskan king crab most of the time. Very, very dangerous job. Several of them die every year. You watch that just only once. And you'll see the captain up there driving the ship. You'll see somebody else watching the radar and the weather, trying to keep up with the changing weather. You'll see at one time somebody down in the galley cooking meals for the guys. you see somebody else in the engine room down there keeping the motor running. Probably only about half of the whole crew is actually out there on the deck putting out the fishing equipment, bringing in the bait and bringing in the crabs and all that kind of stuff. Only about half. But everybody on that boat is fishing. They're all fishermen. When God calls us into his service, we don't all go to the pulpit at First Baptist Church someplace. We don't all go to the prison chapel and preach in chapel at prison somewhere. But God calls us all to fish. Our fishing boat ought to be primarily our local church. And we find a place somewhere to fit in. There's a job for each and every one of us. That's our boat. Our ocean, our Bering Strait, is the county and city all around us. And Jesus tells us to go and fish. You follow him, you become a fisher of men. That's the call. A summons, command, call away from the world, call to follow, go to work. Then look at the response for just a moment of these four rough fishermen. How did they respond when they heard Jesus call them? First ones it says, the old King James has a nice word that's memorable. It says, straight way. The idea is immediately without any side turns at all. They left what they were doing and they started following him right then. They didn't hesitate. They didn't offer an alternative plan or two. They didn't offer a different timetable. It says they followed him straight way. Here at the school on our side of the uh, building, the administrative part, and we have the library over there, the three ladies that work over here on this side, Miss Shine, Miss Carrie, Miss Lisa, one thing I've noticed along the way, that somewhere along the way, it probably was Brother Shine. He really trained Miss Shine and Carrie very, very well. <laughs> Are you responsible for that, Brother Shine? Amen. Amen. <laughs> 
I don't know who uh, got into Lisa's mind and how about her upbringing bringing and all that kind of thing, but here's what happens. I can ask Miss Shine or Carrie or Lisa to do anything. And when I, or anything that I ask them, when I do ask them to do something, I've learned this, that I have to say, don't stop what you're doing. When you get a break, when you get through with what you're doing or you get a good time, this, that's what I want you to do. I don't need you, to, I don't want you to stop. You're already productive. I don't want you to stop what you're doing. Because if I don't, you know what happens? If I don't say that, if it sometimes it skips, you know, it gets by me, I ask them to do something, next thing I'm there, they are standing there, they've already done it. They do it straightway. When God calls us, it's not, Lord, I'll think about it. Lord, I'll do it later. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. And if I do, I'll do it later when I get comfortable with it. Delayed obedience is incomplete obedience. And incomplete obedience is really what? Disobedience. The only real response to God, to Jesus, when he calls is straight way. Let's bow together for just a moment.